Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at how to become a best-selling author and generate leads for your business daily. My guest in this episode is Tyler Wagner. Tyler Wagner is the founder of Authors Unite, where he helps people write and market their first profitable book. He's helped 300-plus people become successful authors. He travels around the country speaking to inspire others to write their first book so that they can transform the lives of their readers. He's also the host of the top-rated business Blast podcast, where he interviews people to discover their most valuable business lessons. If you've not checked out my new podcast, Cashflow Investing Secrets, you totally should. I would highly recommend it. It's a shorter show, 10 minutes or less, where I share one concept and or idea at a time that I've learned from interviewing over 500 Cashflow Ninjas. You can listen to the show on your favorite podcast, video, and live streaming platforms. We also have an investment group and community for accredited investors. If you're interested to join the group, please visit CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. That's CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. And of course, you can join us on Facebook. We have a private Facebook group there for our Cashflow Ninja community. All you have to do is search Cashflow Ninja community and you'll find the group. My friend Brian Page has created a cash flow machine generating over $100,000 in six months without owning any real estate. His system consists out of renting properties from property owners and renting them out on Airbnb. His system is so simplistic, it can be managed by virtual assistants and yet so effective and powerful that it predictably generates cash flow every month. Brian and I are hosting a webinar where he shares his system and how it generated over $100,000 in six months for him personally. You can access this life-changing webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. This is one of the greatest cash flow opportunities I've seen since I've started my podcast. Again, the URL is cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's super excited we got to connect and have uh, enjoyed our previous conversation. Uh, could you share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? For sure, yeah. So uh, I'll start from kind of the, the middle, let's say, uh, or the end, end of the middle. So about eight years ago, I was, uh, I was in college and I made the decision to, to drop out two years in. Uh, just because I saw kind of my future, I, I, I can't remember exactly when it was. I think it was it was very shortly after I read the Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Um, sure, you're familiar with the book. A lot of your listeners are. Yep. Um, and it really just it gave me the confidence to go out and do my own thing. And I saw what school was going to give me, which was pretty much a, a corporate job that I'd have to build up a ladder. And you know, it just didn't seem appealing to me. So dropped out. Had a lot of mentors in my life. They uh, expressed to me, like, listen, if you want to do public speaking, that's what I had told them I wanted to do. Uh, one of the ways to do that is to first write a book. The root word of authority is author. Once you're an author, then people will view you as an expert in the topic that you wrote on. 
And in all reality, if you write a book on something, you kind of inevitably become an expert on it because the time and research it takes to write a book on a, on a said topic, um, it, you learn a lot about it, obviously. So I wrote a book on conferences. So it's called Conference Crushing, and it's about uh, how to network and, and maximize your ROI at events. And it's broken into three parts, what to do before, during, and after. And I didn't know that it would take off this way, but what happened is after I wrote it, um, conferences actually started reaching out to me, asking me if I would kind of open up the event and uh, become a speaker and like kind of loosen up the crowd and, and teach my, my conference principles um, in the opening. So I started getting booked to, to speak at events for about three grand a pop. That, that uh, price would range two grand, four grand in between that range. Uh, but it turned out I kind of got nervous on stage and it just didn't, I didn't take it as far as I could have. I still speak here and there, but what took off a lot quicker was people started reaching out to me asking me like, dude, you're a 20 year old dropout. How did you become a best-selling author and get paid to speak and do all this stuff with a book? So I just followed the universe, if you will, without getting too woo woo. It just kind of fell into my lap. Like I didn't write a book to help people with their book. Um, yeah. that's, that's what happened. So now, you know, eight years later, running a publishing and book marketing company called Authors Unite, uh, where, you know, our, our tagline, if you will, is we help uh, authors become profitable. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because there's a lot that goes into writing a book. So are you guys taking care of the marketing side? Is there any assistance in the process of writing a book? Yeah, so we do. We can do it all. Like we do publishing, editing. We can even do ghostwriting if the if the person would like to do that. Um, where most of our business comes from, though, is actually partnering with publishers and handling all the marketing for their authors. Gotcha. So obviously, a book puts you on a different search engine too, right? So it gets you on Amazon if it's if you if your book is over there. So now you're in different places as well and establishes uh, yourself as an expert or authority in that place. What are some of the things that you would share with folks that that is interested and in, say, okay, I, you know, this is something that I should be doing in 2020 uh, as we're entering the next decade. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> Just think it out loud about yeah. it, right? I know. It, it is crazy. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> 2020, right? Um, yeah. But uh, uh, if folks are, if that's a, a, a something that they want to uh, create or a, a, a piece um, as part of their marketing for their business, what are some of the things that they should consider in writing a book, um, how do they, you know, what are some of the actual steps that you would, would share with them to get started? Yeah, for sure. So first, uh, I'll start with this, right? So, and I can, I'll speak from my personal experience, right? So a book yeah. for me is obviously like the foundation of my entire career. So, yeah. you know, I might be a little biased, but for a lot of the people I've worked with, we've worked with over 700 people now over the years. I see a book as being your, your foundation. So to me, a lot of people, they have a business and it's, it's doing you know, okay or really well, whatever it is. To me, they should continue onward, but a book should become a first priority. And it's just because I've seen time and time again in my, in my own life and with all of my clients' lives that it, it is really a foundational piece. Now, having said that, I'll talk about the flip side of it. There's a lot of talk out there about, you know, a book is the new business card. So I want to touch on that where I don't think that you should just put out a book to put out a book. I think that 
you should put out a book that like you are really proud of and that you would like get on top of a mountain and scream about because I don't really like the whole idea of like just put out this little book that is like okay just to say you have a book because at the end of the day that could actually hurt your brand because if somebody opens it and it sucks then yeah I mean you're an author but your book isn't good (laughs) so I don't, I don't go for that whole, just like get a book out as quick as possible. Cause it's a business card and it ups your, like, I think take some time, actually write a book that you care about. Like for me, conference crushing was something in all honesty, it was kind of half and half. Like I knew I wanted to do it for other reasons than the book itself, but it was actually something I really cared about and I'm naturally good at, which is connecting with people. Um, and just being an extrovert that I am and just being at conferences and understanding um, how I was benefiting from them and seeing others not do the same. So I felt this urge to like get it out and put together a guide to help people. So it wasn't just for the authority. It was like, this is actually content that I think will help a lot of people. So just to summarize what I'm saying is I think it should be your first priority, but at the same time, don't half-ass it. Like it's, it, do it well um, so that it, it spreads. Um, and yeah, that, that's what I'd say. Oh, and I guess the last part, as far as like strategy on, on how to write it, I believe that it should be about 80 to 90% story and then like 10 to 20% actual like valuable points, if you will. Because mm-hmm. from my experience now over the years, story is what really sells. Story is, is what makes it something that after you read it, you're blown away by the stories and you tell your friends about it. As Seth Godin would say, it's remarkable, which means it's something worth remarking upon. Um, and I think what happens to a lot of nonfiction, self-help authors is they write in a way that is just like factual or like tips. And it's very boring, although helpful, very boring. And at the end of the day, if it's, if it's boring, people don't get to the helpful parts. So you want it to be 80 to 90% story and sprinkle in the valuable um, factual information. You know, a great example that comes to mind. Um, if you just think about most of our listeners know of the, the what is it, the best-selling personal finance book of all time, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. To your yep. point, case in point, if he just wrote a book about the certain lessons, like just, hey, here's, here's, you know, here's basically the lessons. Yeah, I mean, I guess, w- will it still be okay? It would be okay but he wrote a story about the story of his two dads and his best Mm -hmm. friend's father was his rich dad. Right. So he created a whole story and shared these lessons in a story, as you were just saying, and that became remarkable because people are still remarking uh, upon, upon those stories. Yeah. And really the the best recent example that I can think of, and I, and I totally agree with you. The best recent one is the David Goggins book, if you've heard of that. Um, no, which one is that? It's called Can't Hurt Me. Um, New York Times bestseller. I think it came out about six months to a year ago. Okay. And this guy, I believe he's a Navy SEAL. Like I, I crushed his audio book in like four days. It was like 13 hours. And it's, it's literally just the craziest stories. And case in point, again, I'm talking about it live on a, on a podcast with you. The craziest stories of the stuff that he went through, uh, training to be a Navy SEAL and like just running like very far. He, I think he literally had at one point like kidney failure or something while he was running. And then like he kept running or some crazy stuff, like just crazy things. Um, but the whole book, almost 100% was actually story. And I think what people get confused about is that 
just because story and value can actually be intertwined. So when I listened to the book, there wasn't necessarily like tips that I took away from it. Like I can't remember really one necessarily actionable tip, but what it did for me is made me realize like, I think I'm trying hard. Like, dude, this guy's running 30 miles with like half a kidney. You know what I mean? Like he's running 30 miles with broken kneecaps, like, and still go. So I'm like, and just the motivation you get out of it, that was also valuable, even though it wasn't like, hey, if you run a Facebook ad this way, it'll double your ROI. Like value is found in other ways of just transactional business. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what I'd say. That. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really good stuff. What is a sort of a framework that you would uh, share with folks too of how to put something together in, in forms of a book? Is there like a yeah. couple of sections that you have to break it down and just from a writing perspective instead of just throwing a bunch of stuff on paper? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, is there a recipe, I would say? Yeah, there's kind of two. So there's two sides to it, right? So I, and I lead more on the creative side. So to me, what I've discovered with writing is that you should, whatever's like inside of you that you want to write about, the first thing I do is, is I call it like a brain dump. So you do a, or a mind map, you get a piece of paper, put it up or a whiteboard on the wall and just get everything that you can think about on that topic out of your head. So let's say you're writing a book on health. You can yeah. be like morning routine, nightly routine, what type of coffee to drink. You know, There's like a thousand things you can think of. Then after you get it all out of your head and you feel like, okay, there's nothing left I can think of, then you can start to group it into different sections. You don't want to put anything in order yet, just, just different sections. And then you can start writing each section. Think of it as a blog post separately. Um, and, and then once they're all done, the funny thing is, is that the order will kind of naturally come to you because you've done the work already. So then once you write, let's say out of the hundred ideas, you, you broke them into 15 chapters, you wrote them all separately, you put them in order last, then um, introduction and conclusion actually comes after that. And then the title is actually the last thing that I recommend. And all these things naturally come to you after you've written the meat of it. Um, so that's more the creative side, which I like better. Now on the other side, I'll say if you want it to be more structured and you're more like, I guess, analytical, um, in your business and you're really writing it to grow your business, I think you could sit down and think, what are the 10 to 15 questions that you most often get from your target audience and answer those questions through story and then put a book together like that. And that's kind of a simpler way. Yeah, that's a great idea. So you, um, and thank you for sharing also the questions too, because yeah, I mean, the, the questions that you get in your business and, or if you're raising capital for your deals, what are the questions that you get asked most often about the projects that you're trying to raise capital for, right? So that would be something that comes to mind. And I'm, it's interesting that you keep the title for, for loss too, to put a, to put a good title behind it. Yeah, that's, and again, these are things that kind of naturally happen. Like with conference crushing, that was not the title literally came last. Um, and you know, what I mean? like it just kind of naturally came out. And, and so an idea for titles too, um, I like to do end result titling. So the four hour work week is actually an example of that. So is conference crushing because it kind of like gives the reader an idea of what they're going to get or not an idea. It just tells them exactly what they're going to get. The four-hour work week. If you read this book, you'll learn how to create a four-hour work week. But then the subtitle kind of gives you more detail, yes. right? So I can't remember his subtitle, but 
the, the title is kind of a shocker of like exactly uh, or, or like what the outcome is. And then the subtitle explains how they're going to get you there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So the, the title needs to have a good hook. And then the subtitle provides like a little bit more, um, you know, uh, I would say a, a con- context of what the book yeah. is all about. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Great, great stuff. Now, let's talk a little bit about a mar- the marketing because this is where uh, you have really had a lot of success because people write books and obviously now you have a book. Yep. It's not, it's not, you don't build it and they, and they come, right? Yeah, exactly. So let's start with, I mean, let's start with the bestseller list, right? I mm-hmm. think that's a good place to start because a lot of people would like to know that. So like, at this recording right now, I just found out yesterday, we just did um, a big launch for a client. They hit USA Today, and then they hit number two on the Wall Street Journal. And it was it was awesome because number four is Donald Trump Jr. So it's just kind of cool to be above him, however you lean in politics. I just think it's yeah. cool to be above uh, Trump. It's just kind of fun. Um, yeah. So either way, the way that these bestseller lists work, at least for these three, Amazon, USA Today, and Wall Street – um, and New York Times is a little bit different. It's more actually editorial, considered more of an opinion piece. Um, but for Amazon, it's it's about concentrated sales and really a one-day period. So you want to get as many sales as possible in one day to get a huge spike, and then you can hit bestseller on Amazon. And depending on which category, it's really not unbelievable. It's not that difficult. Now, when it comes to Wall Street Journal USA Today, those are difficult. Um, because there's a lot of little things that go into it. It's not just about Amazon. It's also about Barnes and Noble sales and it's a whole week. So the wall street journal only has 10 spots per week. And typically depending on the competitiveness of the week, you need to get about five to 15,000 sales in that one week, um, timeframe. So, you know, that's what we did. Like for this last one, we ran a campaign that we did, um, email list marketing, Uh, Facebook ads. We also did marketing on Amazon. And then we also did marketing um, directly to uh, people um, that shop more on Barnes and Noble for their books. So we ran that campaign. She hit number three in all of Barnes and Noble books. I think her highest on Amazon was number 19. But the more important thing on Amazon is that she's uh, high like high ranking on the nonfiction list. So that happens throughout the whole week. She's staying up at the top with all of our marketing. Um, and then she hit the hit the list. So just to summarize, for the bestseller stuff, it's all about whether it's one day or a week, it's all about concentrated impact and getting sales in a short period of time. Um, now to actually become profitable off things like this, you have to leverage these accolades and you have to basically how you leverage them is, is after this happens, then you use them in a PR type of stance. So then you start to pitch yourself um, to TV networks, podcasts, um, get blog features. And mm-hmm. when you're pitching them and you're, you're getting interviewed, you want to have a backend system created so that you're not sending all the traffic you're getting from these avenues directly to the bookstores like Barnes and Noble or Amazon. Cause if you do that, you might get some book sales probably, but you're not going to get the customer information because Amazon doesn't tell you all the people, they don't give the emails and all that stuff to the people that bought your book. So you can't remarket them. So you want to have something when you're getting interviewed to send them to a website, a sales funnel. So that's the other thing we do is we help our authors hit bestseller and then we build the back end of their business for them. Then we start pitching them and then we teach them how to 
that basically send that traffic to the funnel so that they get a book purchase, a review, and then on top of that, potentially uh, a membership course purchase, a coaching client, consulting client, whatever it might be. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. MC Lobshire, the creator of The Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. My friend Dave Zook from The Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for higher yield returns from ATM machines and self-storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the Real Estate Investor offers, such as their ATM and self storage syndications, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash Real Asset Investor. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. Okay, so you've got the framework set up to drive traffic to now and get it in there. Because again, like you said, you just don't want to send people to, hey, here's my Amazon page. Basically, go buy the book on there because you don't control that traffic anymore, right? The goal is to be able to eventually control the, the, the traffic, more have control over it. What are some tactical things that you guys look at um, and avenues to drive traffic then into this uh, system after you guys have built the back end of it? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's mostly having the author get interviewed, so it's mostly like media, um, but we also do Facebook ads, right? Like one of the things that we've seen work, and it sounds kind of funny, and it's like it's heartbreaking to a lot of authors to hear this, but it's just the truth, is to actually turn, like have the PDF of your book and give the whole PDF away for free, so you create this this funnel where the top of the funnel is it's a full free PDF, very basic landing page, just a 3D cover image, couple highlights of what they'll learn from the book, white background, and then just an email opt-in. And you give the whole thing away for free. So the thing you spent months to years on, you get the whole PDF away for free. It's a very high value opt-in. On average, we'll see anywhere from like a dollar to $2 per lead from Facebook ads, which is very cheap. Um, for anybody that knows Facebook ads, it's usually closer to like, depending on the industry, like $7 a lead, it's usually a dollar a click. So, um, so yeah, they, they come through. And then after that, there's a uh, sequence of emails that basically gets them um, into your system to basically say, maybe the next email is like, hey, I got a free webinar. They watch the free webinar. Then the next one's like, hey, do you want to hop on a 15, 20 minute consultation call to go over the goals of your business? Then, the, then after that, you know, you get to the, have a phone call, see if they're a good fit for your business, and maybe they become a coaching client. But at the end of the day, the front is a, is the free PDF. And the funny thing that happens, um, just so 
the authors listening don't don't hate me for this, is that if somebody gets a PDF of your whole book and they like the first 20 pages, they'll probably just go buy it because it would be incredibly painful to scroll through 200 pages of a PDF and read it rather than listen to it on audio, read it through paperback, or read it on a nice Kindle device. So just to put it out there, normally people don't read your whole PDF because that would just be a painful experience. Gotcha. And in the book and the, the giveaway, <clears throat> excuse me, is the thing that sells the thing, right? So yeah, that, yep. that it's, the, it's, the, it's the first step of the, the value ladder, if you will. Exactly. We haven't seen anything convert uh, anything like, you know, you can do a little cheat sheet or a video series and all those things, you know, other people have proven that they do work as well. But for the front end, we just haven't seen anything convert at one to two dollars per lead as much as an entire free PDF of a book. Very, very interesting stuff. And this is something that you could use over and over and over. Um, so to, to have evergreen content should be, you know, should be something on the top of your mind too as you're creating all of this in the beginning. Yeah, ex exactly. And just to be clear, right, when it comes to the bestseller list, you do want to be sending people directly to, to the like Amazon and Barnes and Noble. But then after that, it's, it's no longer about hitting bestseller. It's just, it's about how do you grow your audience? And if they buy your book, great. But at the end of the day, if you get a thousand leads, it's better if you get one person to buy a $10,000 high ticket purchase than it is to have like, you know, a hundred of them buy, buy your book. You know what I mean? Like it's, um, you know, just from a financial standpoint, right? Like there, there's a back end is more profitable than a book sale. Yeah. The importance of having a value ladder, maybe you can speak to that too, for folks uh, listening. That's not familiar. You've maybe seen, you know, online when you click on ads that there is a high value giveaway, but then there's, you know, there's other avenues then as you enter and w w go through the sales process of the back end, that's a lot more profitable than obviously the front end of just selling your book. Yeah, and, you know, the whole value ladder, if you were to look at the whole thing, you know, typically high value giveaway, right? Then there's some sort of maybe a low, uh, low tier subscription model. Um, if they want to get like a community involvement, that type of thing. And then there's maybe a course after that that ranges from like 297 all the way up to, to maybe two grand. And usually with a course, from what I've seen, there's kind of like two tiers. So the first tier is like $300 to a thousand bucks. And it's a really good course, but they don't have access to the founder of the course personally. And then the second tier is like double the price. And then it's like maybe bi-weekly um, Q&As with the founder of the course. So you get the content and you get access to the founder of the course. And then after that, the kind of last, or it could be two last things, the, is like done with you or done for you. And done for you is usually like the highest ticket. So, and that's what it is for us. Like when somebody wants to do, have us do their entire launch for them, that's our highest tiered uh, product. And, and that's kind of the end of our value ladder. Gotcha. Gotcha. So very important in any business, in any uh, investment business, in your real estate business to understand all these different things and look at ways uh, to build, um, you know, to build a, a funnel, whether it's a funnel, funnel for deals, whether it's a funnel for raising capital to acquire more deals, or whether you have a, a business that you're growing. It's very important to understand the entire value ladder uh, 
principle and know the different phases of it in for your business. And one of the things that I've seen a lot of folks do these days too is necessarily, you don't need to even necessarily build out your entire value ladder, but you can collaborate and partner with folks that already have pieces, missing pieces that you could bring into your business. Great point. And I think it's important to, to elaborate here is from my experience, right? One of the hardest things to do that, that I've seen is to sell somebody after a webinar into a course without ever having interacted with them. So I'm not suggesting when I, when I explain that whole value ladder, I'm not suggesting to start with building the whole value ladder. In fact, what I'm suggesting is to rather start with a book for, for your brand and, and to have something that really wows people and then actually go to high ticket after that because high ticket is usually very profitable and you're working with less people, right? Because not everybody can afford these high ticket things that range from ten dollars to $100,000, let's say, maybe some are even more than that. Um, so you're working with less so you can deliver even better and you can learn more about the customer. And then once you've done a bunch of high ticket, I don't suggest like getting rid of it. But once you've done a bunch of high ticket, take the knowledge you've learned from that and create the course because you're going to need a big advertising budget to actually figure out the, the proper advertising and, how do you say, and the proper funnel. There's a lot of testing that goes into selling somebody something that's in the low thousands without ever having them contact you. You know, like that, that's the hardest part of the puzzle. So, you know, make the money from the high ticket, use that money to test the webinar and get people into it. And listen, it may not work. Like it, so you just have to have some advertising cash to actually test though. Right. Right. Absolutely. Great points. Um, you've had a lot of success and I mean, taking the, the unconventional road, right? Dro dropping out of school saying, <laughs> you know, this is going to put me in a part that I, that I don't want to um, embark on. Because um, this is not a game worth winning, right? I want to create another game, which I'm actually going to be excited about winning. And you've had a lot of success. What are some of the things that are working in your personal life and business? And why, why, why does it work? Oh, nice. Okay. So, well, I'll say this too. One of the things that I learned this from the 4-Hour Work Week, it's actually one of the things that helped me drop out. One of the parts in the book, he says, think about what's the worst thing that could happen. Typically, in our heads, we think it's far worse than the reality of it. For instance, the dropping out of school, to me, seems so daunting and, and crazy, like, you know, like terrible things could happen. But when I sat back and thought about it, really the worst thing that could happen is that I tried an entrepreneurial venture. I failed. I ended up back at my parents' house, which my parents happened to have a great house with a pool in the backyard. So it would have been some like Billy Madison type shit, <laughs> which, yeah. would be, which would be fine. You know what I mean? Like that's not that bad. Now, not everybody has that background, but I'm just saying uh, you, normally we all, we create these like fake demons in our head that are not reality. So I would first say, step back and think, what's the worst that can happen? It's probably not as bad as you think. And the risk that you're like on the fence of taking, you should probably take it. Because um, yeah, the worst thing that can happen probably ain't that bad. Now, having said that, what has allowed me to continue to grow, I'll say health is the biggest thing. Uh, my brother actually lives down here um, in Miami with me, um, and he's very into health and working out. So I more work out for my mental. So every morning, I'll either do a run on the beach or I do like an hour Stairmaster. And then actually, my brother, started, my brother and I, we started to do two-a-days. 
Um, so we'll actually lift um, as well. And I might even do a second cardio in the day. And I can't tell you how much doing, especially the cardio, like the lifting's more for like the look, if you will. But the, the cardio for my just mental health and, and clarity has been game changing. So I would invite the listeners to, and, and long walks in nature, unbelievably game changing. Um, I would invite the listeners to realize that if you are working 20 hours a day, you might be not being, you might not be being that productive and you should maybe step back and go on like a two hour walk and the, and the answers to the problems that you're beating your head against your computer trying to solve, they might start to naturally come to you. Is that, that's what my experience has been is that working, like when you work on your health, it inevitably helps your business. So you don't want to be only business. You've got to have the balance with, with health and health actually explodes your business um, if you do it right. So that, that's what I say. Awesome stuff. And uh, one habit I've um, just seen from very wealthy and successful folks is they're always studying and learning. What are you currently studying and learning? Oh, I'm actually deep into uh, here. I'm actually going to walk into the other room real quick. Take a look at my uh, books. I'm really deep into philosophy right now. Um, so I'm reading some Friedrich Nietzsche. Um, I'm reading some uh, Arthur uh, Schopenhauer, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, see, these guys are old dudes, man. They're, they're actually dead. <laughs> and, uh, uh, one of the biggest ones um, that I'm reading is called Maps of Meaning by Jordan Peterson. Um, so a real famous book that just came out by him is 12 Rules for Life. Uh, Maps of Meaning is actually his first book, and it's, it's a little bit more dense, if you will. Um, but yeah, philosophy's uh, been my biggest thing of, of reading lately. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Super. I, I love the, the classics are great, right? And to go back to just some of the, the early, early philosophers always bring stuff uh, back into, uh, I would say, focus because we, oh, yeah. we live in such a crazy world. Yeah. The, I highly recommend them. It'll make you like Friedrich Nietzsche, like you got to really sit down and, and think when you read his stuff. So it, it'll just help. Business books are great. And self-help books are great, but these older philosophers that were writing at a time before technology and everything, you, you may think it's irrelevant because we live in a different time, but in my opinion, it could be more relevant to just help you get grounded and realize that the world is not uh, everything that it's, you know what I mean? Like this yeah. is only a hundred or 150 years ago, these guys, you know, so it's, it's still relevant. I highly suggest three Absolutely. Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? So, you know, really the main one, and if I come up with two others, I'll tell you, but the main one that I think summarizes it all is just to be a person like of your word. Because I've studied a lot of the richest people. And to me, one of the things that, that seems to be an underlying foundation for all of them is that people that get into like the billions, they are all trusted. And it's like they have a trust. And there's, I guess there's kind of like different types of trust. For instance, like Elon Musk, you know, and I don't know enough necessarily to say this, but he might be a little, um, 
he, he's very clever. So maybe he does some things that aren't by the textbook, let's say. And I think that's very obvious. But as far as him getting the job done and doing what it takes to deliver, I think we can all agree that we trust that he's doing everything in his power to do that. So if you want to make it to the highest level possible in business, um, I think that trust is something that is non-negotiable. So I think I'll leave it with that. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Donna, where can folks learn more about you, follow you, work, and all of the uh, things that you guys do at Authors Unite? And where can they stay in touch and, uh, and, and informed of all of the future projects that you're involved with? For sure. Uh, so really main websites, authorsunite.com. And then if you want to chat with me, like personally, uh, Instagram DMs, probably best Tyler B. Wagner um, is the Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. Of course, man. Thanks for having me on. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.